This is the NRL.com Final Series Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Finals Podcast. Adrian McMurray alongside Chris Kennedy and Martin Gabor to run you through what shapes to be another exciting weekend of sudden death footy. You can find us on Twitter at Adrian McMurray, at CKennedy80 and at Martin J. Gabor. Gents, what an incredible first week of the finals. I want to start by asking you, what was your personal highlight? Oh, there's too much to choose from. Between Latrell Mitchell's solo effort, that Mitch Moses inside ball to Will Smith, um, just the, the epic 90-minute Michael Morgan field goal, Tamalolo solo try, the whole weekend was amazing from start to finish for me. Yeah, I've got it down as one of the best finals weeks in history. Uh, in 2015, week one, we had quite a few tight finishes, but I think this takes the cake. That that final 10 minutes of the Broncos-Roosters game is one of the most absurd passages of football I've ever seen. And for Luttrell to stand up like he did at the end, given what happened earlier in the year, that was my moment of the week. Yeah, well, if the first week of the finals is anything to go by, I think we're in for a real treat again this week with it all on the line for the four teams in action. Let's take a look at the two matches we've got coming up. And everything gets underway on Friday night up in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. The Broncos hosting the Panthers at 7.55. For the Broncos, some team news. Cody Nikarima, he's back in the starting side at fullback with David Mead back to the bench. But, gents, there are two men on the reserves list that, uh, you know, a couple of familiar faces. We may have seen them around the traps before. Yeah, the, the Anthony Griffin Cup or the Peter Wallace Cup, we're calling this one. I can't <laughs> wait for it to get underway. Um, are we certain that is actually starting at... <laughs> fullback this time. There's a little bit of a late switcheroo last week that didn't quite seem to pay off. Um, not that Meade did a great deal wrong, but uh, to pull Nicarima out of the starting side on game day seemed a little bit odd to me. Ducks and Drakes. I don't think that's usually Wayne Bennett's go, per se. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't really see the benefit in it. I mean, it's not like he's a forward and you're just waiting for the sting to get out of the game. Uh, yeah, I I think if Nickareem is named and a certain someone isn't fit to play, I think he'll start this week. The certain someone being Darius Boyd, who is <laughs> just in case you're not <laughs> sitting there with the team list in front of you. Um, Darius Boyd on his way back from a hamstring injury, named in the reserves, may potentially come in. And obviously if he's fit, he will be the fullback because uh, he's one of the best fullbacks in the world and he's the team captain. So of course he will be. Yeah, they were running uh, at a limited sort of capacity yesterday. Um, do you think if they're you know, sort of struggling now, they're really long odds for Friday night? Well, as you've seen with Bev and French, I think if mm. you bring them back one week early, it's not, not the right option. I think you give them the, that extra week and just hope that they can get through to the preliminary final. Even if they're at 80%, it's a risk. Uh, I know he's such an important player, but if he goes down, just throws that bench rotation completely, uh, defensive combinations go out the window and you're on the back foot, I would not be risking him. And not only does it completely throw them out for that one-off one final against Penrith, but it probably rules him out of the rest of the, the season. So if they are going to go through and make, make it to a grand final, they, they're much better off having Darius in, in peak form for the grand final than re-injuring him now. Uh, Davida Pango Jr., the, the hard-running, offloading young forward on the bench, is the other one coming back from a hemi strain who potentially could come in, but like Darius, you'd think wouldn't be risked unless he was 100%. Let's take a look at their opponents now. The Panthers, no changes to their 17, uh, but a couple of guys have really been standing up uh, or certainly stamped their authority in the finals last week. We'll start by looking at their halfback, Nathan Cleary. 646 kick metres 
unbelievable performance against Manly. Uh, now, Ben Hunt was speaking yesterday to our man up in Brisbane, Eden Richards, uh, and he had something very interesting to say, compared him to a certain uh, future immortal. Here's what Ben Hunt had to say. It's like you're going into a game against Thurston or someone like that, you know, you just got to prepare the best you can and, um, you know, really work together as a team defensively to try and maintain him as best as possible. Do you really think he's got that kind of potential? Crack, yeah. Look, I'd, look, he's so young and to look what he's done in the game already, I think it's, you know, it's not going to be hard for him to get to the heights of Thurston, you know, he's... I think he's proven to everyone this year that he's a world-class player and um, he's done it for a full season. He's not he's not patchy or inconsistent. He's been a consistent player all year, so I think he's going to be pretty good. And that, of course, was the voice of Ben Hunt uh, comparing Nathan Cleary to uh, to Jonathan Thurston. Mm. Uh, pretty incredible comparison. Pretty obvious mind games here from the Broncos, <laughs> I'm prepared to say. It's all about trying to heap the pressure on uh, the the young halfback for Penrith and also just talking Penrith up. It's Rugby League 101. It's Wayne Bennett 101. Um, I don't think Penrith will be getting too caught up in it. Um, as for his assessment, I think Cleary obviously one of the best halves we've seen for his age. He's uh, got a long way to go before he's being mentioned in the same breath as Jonathan Thurston. But... Uh, Either way, Cleary was unbelievable against Manly. When you start to talk about the kick metres in kilometres rather than actual <laughs> metres, you're certainly racking up the, um, the yardage. Uh, the most impressive part of his kicking game for me, I think, was just how consistently he not chose the right option and executed well. So he was finding the turf, he was finding the corners, he was putting it in between the winger and the fullback um, and leading the chase as well, like sort of turning Manly around and then running up and getting in their face and just not, not allowing them to get a roll on, which when you've got someone like Tom Travojevic at the back, it's very important to do to, to cut down his, his time and space on the kick returns. Well, not only that, he forced a couple of repeat sets. He forced a couple of errors out of Iwate and Travojevic and that never happens. Um, and... I just think someone his age, and given he was basically the only kicking option against a manly side that we've seen has line pressure and will line speed and will attack the halves, what he did is just unprecedented. 646 metres, you said. Mm -hmm. Mm. That was 210 metres better than the second best, I think was Corey Norman in week one of the finals. That's incredible. While we're on the comparisons, I'm Mm. I'm not a fan. I, Chris is right, it's mind games, but comparisons in general, Latrell Mitchell last week again, Kevin Walters in commentary uh, compared him to Greg Inglis and then even Luke Keary on Monday at Roosters Media did the same. Latrell does not want to be compared to Greg Inglis. He's mm. his own player in his own right. And I, I think the same with Nathan Cleary. Completely different play to Jonathan Thurston. For the next 15 years, we'll see him forge his own career. We do see that a bit. People try and jump in as, as fast as they can to, mm. to compare a player to a past player or even a current player before these guys even have a chance to establish themselves in mm. first grade. My favourite one earlier this year was uh, when Brian Kelly was coming in for Manly. He was described as being the next Dylan Walker. Like The old <laughs> Dylan Walker's still only 21. Like He hasn't <laughs> yeah. even had a chance to be the old Dylan Walker yet. We've already found the next one. Like, it sort of gets uh, beyond silly at some points. Uh, it does get a bit out of control. Uh, someone else that did some great things for Penrith last week was Bryce Cartwright. Of course, since he's been back from injury, coming off the bench for them. Um, two tries and one try assist in a phenomenal 46-minute stint. Uh, is he the, the finals X factor that Penrith perhaps need? Well, I think he can be. Um, I think people might be reading into the, his performance a bit mm. too deeply. He did miss seven tackles in 40 minutes. Um, and the tries, one was a fortuitous rebound and the other one was some horrific defence. That said, if he can get back to his attacking best with the offloads, 
um, drifting across field, finding hole runners. Huge, huge for Penrith. And they've been missing that a bit. Nathan Cleary's been doing a lot of the work in attack. So if he can get the support that he had last year at times from Bryce Cartwright, well, then yes, he is that X factor that they desperately need against Brisbane. Mm, especially with no Matt Morland still in the team, having someone there who can potentially be a bit of a game breaker. With that, you're right, with that sort of fend and offload is when he's starting to, to really make his mark. The tries were a bit, you know, obviously they're just falling on the rebound and then a, a few tacklers falling off. I don't think we, we should be getting too carried away with his two tries. And like you say, his defence is still a, a massive concern. But if he can just, I guess, not overplay his hand and stick to his role, then he can be that extra sort of threat on an edge that could, uh, you know, even if he just creates one try in a, in a tight game, then it's, that's huge for Penrith. CK, you alluded it alluded to it before, the Bennett-Griffin uh, Cup, as we may <laughs> refer to it as. The rivalry between these two coaches, of course, Griffin, we know, uh, came through the system. They're coaching at the Broncos, uh, now now at Penrith. Uh, his record against Wayne Bennett coached sides, eight wins, a draw in 11 matches. Do we read anything into that? I, yeah, it's a tough one. It's, it's very... It's very one-sided um, without going back through each one of those results individually and working out if there are any, you know, mitigating factors. Um, I don't, like Wayne Bennett's the last person who's going to let another coach get inside his head. He's, he'll be very focused on what he's got to do. Um, Brisbane, on paper, are still the better team and they're at home. It's, it's a huge ask for Penrith. I don't know if we can, you know, the, we looked at the Cowboys versus the Sharks last week and Cowboys had a horror record at Allianz and, you know, coming in with five losses from six games and all sorts of things and all of that basically counted for nothing once they got out on the field. Well, the stats don't lie. So <laughs> we know what the record is between those two coaches. Penrith actually have a pretty good record against Brisbane. They have won four of the past six, but it's a different story at Suncorp. Brisbane have won four of the last five against Penrith, including a 32-18 to win earlier in the year, set up by a dominant 22-0 first half. Now, if we go a bit deeper than that, um, Penrith and Brisbane have met twice in the finals. Once was 1990, the other one was 2003. Penrith won both of those. Interesting thing, Penrith made the grand final in both of those years. So if history repeats for Penrith, uh, look out Melbourne in the prelim. All right, so uh, who, are we, who are we tipping here, CK? I have to go for Brisbane, I think. I'm, I'm certainly giving Penrith a chance. I think last week was their best game of the year. I think they flattered to deceive a little bit in that seven-game winning run. They beat some some pretty middling teams. Um, but I think what they showed against Manly, the, the discipline, the desperation, and Nathan Cleary that we've talked about, I think that was their best game of the year. So if nothing else, they're hitting form at the right time. So Brisbane in a tight one for me. Yeah, well, Brisbane, I think, have won six finals matches in a row dating back to 2008, so I'm tipping Penrith by seven. <laughs> All right, I will swing the balance the way of the Broncos. I think they'll get home in a tight one. Let's, of course, the finals fantasy game is still ongoing. Let's have a look at a few of the, the players you might want to consider in this one. Um, of course, we, we spoke at length about Nathan Cleary's base stats, his kick metres. Uh, is he the, the man to lock in in the halves? Yeah, I think given he's had a, a couple of 100-ish, 100-plus performances this year, you've got guys in there like Milford and Hunt that can go big on their day, but uh, Cleary looks to be the safe option for me. And up front, uh, Josh Maguire, uh, very good last week with 56. Uh, James Tamo might be a bit of a point of difference. He got 44. While not impressive, that's OK. Uh, is it 
sort of business as usual uh, with the, the usual fantasy suspects? Yeah, I think this is a position where you can afford to get a bit creative. It could easily be Tamo, it could be Regan Campbell-Gillard, it, you know, um, Maguire. Can you pick him front row and back yep. row? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, potentially pick him in the front row and go for one of the, the high-scoring second rowers as well. Yeah, which leads me into the back row. I mean, Matt Gillett's probably due for a big game, but Trent Merrin, I think, in his last two games against Brisbane at Suncorp has scored tries. I think he's got 80-plus in both of those, so he looms as a wild-card option. If I remember correctly, I think uh, we, we both had Merrin during the, the regular season, and I think his game against the Broncos up there at Suncorp uh, was was quite a, a moment of excitement for, for both of us, really, when he was... I think he might have scored a try... Uh, was doing really well, so yeah, he he might go big again uh, in this mm. one. That wasn't the one where he got injured, was it? Oh, uh, I don't know. They Whatever game he got injured, point. he scored a try at the start. <laughs> he was at 26 points after 20 minutes and then went off and that was the end of him. It's been an up and down season. <laughs> it was a mixed trend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I'll, yeah, I'll pick him this weekend, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, let's turn our attention to the Holden Cup and in a move that will please the scheduling gods and, and those that really just like... Uh, you know, a nice pattern. The Panthers and the Broncos will play off in the NYC as well. Uh, the second place Panthers hosting, I guess you'd call it, the Broncos <laughs> up there in Brisbane. Uh, Martin, how are you seeing this one playing out? Well, it's one for the train spotters out there. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before. I could do some research, but yeah, the way the draws worked out is fantastic. Look, Brisbane coming off a narrow four-point uh, win over Newcastle last week, survived a bit of a comeback while Penrith lost their third game to the Dragons, again by four points. Um, they met once this year. Penrith won 44-12 at Suncorp earlier in the year. And look, while the Panthers have made the grand final the last two years, I'm actually tipping Brisbane to qualify for their first prelim since 2009. Penrith have a lot of injuries. Um, I know the Broncos have a couple up front, but they've also got some great depth. Patrick Carrigan in the front row is just a beast and... I think he set up a try last week with an offload as a reason why he's in the team of the year. Like their first grade squad, they've got a lot of speed in the spine and that's just going to trouble a Penrith team that I, I just think's hit the wall. Um, I think they did well to finish second, but yeah, I think momentum's with Brisbane. All right, let's turn our attention now to Saturday and Sydney. The Eels host the Cowboys 7.40 at ANZ Stadium. It's going to be a big night. Parramatta's first home final in quite a few years. For the Eels, at this stage, no changes. Uh, Kayser Pritchard's still among the reserves, but CK, you were out at training yesterday. What can you tell us? Uh, so clearly we've got no Bevan French anywhere in the 21, so he won't play. Will Smith's going to be the fullback. Uh, I did speak to Kenny Edwards uh, and I basically said to him, you know, are you... And, you're back in your preferred you know, impact bench role. And he goes, no, I'm pretty sure I'm starting. I don't think Tepoi is going to play. Um, so Moreau, it sounds like, struggling with that. Uh, he obviously failed his HIA last week. He'll go through the protocols this week, but looks unlikely at this stage, which would see Edwards start. And then I would guess Penny Terrapo, but potentially Dave Gower come into the 17 on the bench. Um, Cameron King, they said, didn't really train on uh, Tuesday morning. But he's, uh, he's managing that arm injury. His whole arm went dead when he copped a knock. Uh, swelled up, so he'll be monitored through the week. He's been going really well. So um, probably reluctant to switch up a, a winning team or an informed team too much. So I think mm. if, he's, if he's OK, he'll play. But if he's not, then sounds like Kays is fine and, and he would be coming in as a straight swap. And we have seen at points through the year when especially Gower needs to come in and, and do a job. He's done, he's done really well and, mm. uh, you know, really thrived. Uh, that packs... You know, uh, no, no sort of like big flashy sort of, you know, 
standout names, but they all sort of just uh, do what they need to do and do a really good job. Probably been one of the more underrated packs all year. Gower, like you said, he's an out-and-out first grader, and obviously Frank Pritchard, Pritchard as well, who hasn't been uh, in the first grade side. So there's uh, and Penny Terrapo as well. So some genuine first graders sort of running around for Wenty week to week through the season, which is a, a good sign. And the pack as a whole, you got all these guys like Manu Mahu, Tepai Maroa, Kenny Edwards, um, you know Nathan Brown, who's been just about their, their best all year. Sui Matangi, none of them are massive. There's no sort of Fafita, you know, Clemo, Jesse Bromwich sort of tall timber in there but they're all just a bit mad and they just mm. run furiously like Sui Matungi on oh. this the, the other team kicks off and they give it to him and he's got a 30 metre wind up and then there's just bodies exploding everywhere <laughs> it's, it's just a sight to behold so I think um, led by Tim Manor who's still doing what he always does which is just take those hard hit ups and finds his front really quick and gets a quick play the ball in it's it's working for them like, it's not the traditional um, you know there's no sort of James Grahams or um, Sam Burgesses in there but they're just they're getting the job done Last week, going into the finals, I thought it was a case of Melbourne and then Daylight. Parramatta really changed my mind. They really took it to Melbourne. I know there was the sin binning that sort of allowed them back into the contest, but still they really showed they can match it with, you know, the best the competition has to offer. Um, did did the, fi- the first week of the finals change your opinion of Parramatta? Are they the real deal or, or did you think that all along? Well, I didn't think... I think the first 20 minutes summed it up best. Melbourne could have led by 30. And they've been doing that against, I think, Campbell's 18-0. South, they piled on the points in the first half. They had all the ball, all the territory, and by the end of it had a four-point lead. And that would have given Parramatta a great deal of confidence. And once the momentum started to turn with Munster, they showed what they've got an attack with a couple of tries. But it was the Fords that you were talking about, the Maus, the Browns, the Maroas. They're the mongrel they provide that middle. And, and Melbourne probably weren't, haven't been used to that teams taking it to them. That is, and I think Munster said yesterday it rattled them a bit. Um, Parramatta, well, they had the lead early in the second half and it took a freakish try for Melbourne to level and then the penalty goal to push them in front and then obviously a record-breaking try to Billy. I think Parramatta, they might have lost, but they've gained plenty of admirers. Um, I, yeah, I, I think they justified their top four position as well. Um, and I think you had a bit of banter with Alex McKinnon on Twitter, and he said that... I don't know if he bantered back. I just quote <laughs> Twitter. <just, I> <laughs> but I think he pointed out that they're probably the, the value team right now, uh, other than Melbourne, and he's probably right. I mean, they really do have strike all over the park and the forwards to match it with any other pack in the competition. I said heading into the weekend that we're going to find out a lot about Parramatta in this game because if... They're the, the sort of team, I think we saw earlier in the year, like the Roosters game, if things go against them early, they can kind of be a bit mentally fragile and sort of go away from what they're doing and just have a, a massive collapse. And I thought if Storm get off to a quick start, which obviously they're very capable of doing, if Eels lose their heads a bit, they could end up you know, falling into old habits and lose by 30. And the first part happened. The Storm got on a roll early. They had all the ball. Um, they got a try that uh, I've looked at 100 replays and I still can't declare whether it was a you know a forward pass or not but it was awarded the Eels felt like they were unlucky at the time um, and that's exactly the sort of scenario where you could potentially see the heads drop and they didn't they fought back into it and then Melbourne didn't score again until Eels had until the second half and Eels were in front so the Eels obviously rectified what they were doing early and they didn't lose their heads and I think uh, just mentally and psychologically I think that was a huge step forward for them just in terms of their their discipline and their their strength and I think that's 
going to hold them in good stead and, and show that they can't be taken lightly for the rest of the, uh, the final series. Let's take a look at their opponents now. The Cowboys, they are unchanged, but Justin O'Neill among the reserves there. We could see him for the first time since, I think, round 23. Um, so he may be a late inclusion there. Antonio Winnerstein or Javid Bowen, the men most likely to drop out if he does indeed come in. Uh, I don't know if any of us really expected the Cowboys would be in this position. Uh, they, they just sort of fell into the finals. Uh, thanks to the Bulldogs knocking mm. off the Dragons. And they got the better of the Premiers uh, last weekend. I don't know if I'm too surprised. First of all, they won enough games to get themselves to 30 points. So if the, the Dogs hadn't beaten the Dragons and the Cowboys had missed out, they would have been the quote-unquote best non-finals team in a 16-man in a mm. NRL ever. Um, so they're there on merit, regardless of the, the little round 26 slice of luck. And then... While I did tip the Sharks, I gave the Cowboys a huge chance, and I think they showed, particularly in that last 10 minutes of regular time and the 10 minutes of extra time, why they are contenders, why they are such a great club just culturally, because they didn't panic in the key moments like the Sharks did. Um, the Sharks sort of flinched. They had some, some pretty poor moments at, at key times um, with the game on the line. The Cowboys didn't. They, you know, Michael Morgan obviously kicked the field goal after Tamalolo got that unbelievable try. Um, and once they got that one-point lead, they were just they were perfect from that point on. They just didn't let the Sharks get into range and they um, they kept the pressure on, they kept the discipline and they managed to, to grind it out. So I think they're the sort of team that in a close game, you just can't take them lightly because they're not going to make bad decisions. Well, they are the kings of the close game. I think they've won the most golden point matches in history. And you just saw in that setup, Jason Taumalolo could have run an extra eight metres and he would have been tackled two metres out and given his halves no room to kick the field goal. He decided to get tackled, was on his front, got the quick play of the ball, which allowed Morgan to kick the field goal. Compare that with the Sharks, mm. who were in a similar position. Andrew Fafida, instead of running straight, decided to go sideways, pop up an offload that only he knew why he did that. Um, they came up with an error. So in the clutch, I think they've got the experience and the guys to really stand up under pressure. And we're expecting a big crowd out at ANZ Stadium. It's going to be huge. The, the Blue and Gold Army obviously out in force, and we hope uh, the Cowboys are well represented as well. Integrated transport available for those uh, travelling to the game via public transport. So check the Eels website for more details. Uh, how do we see this one playing out? I am going to tip the Eels, but a bit like the Sharks v Cowboys last week, it's uh, I'm giving the Cowboys a massive chance. I think it'll be close again. Um, the Eels probably benefit from the extra day's rest and the fact that they didn't have to go to 90 minutes like the Cowboys did. But given the just who the Cowboys are, I don't think that'll phase them too much. So I'm, I'm going to tip the Eels in a close one, but could go either way. Eels haven't lost back-to-back -back matches since rounds 10 and 11. Um, I really liked what I saw last, year, uh, last week. And uh, I think they're going to reverse the 2005 prelim final result. It was their only meeting at ANZ Stadium. Cowboys won 29-0. Cover your ears, Parramatta fans. Um, <laughs> well, it's their only ever finals meeting against each other, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think I saw enough... As, as brave as... I know the Cowboys don't like to hear the word brave, but as brave as they were, mm. um, I think I saw enough from the Eels to suggest um, that in front of 50,000 fans, I'm hoping they can get the job done. I will go the Eels as well, but I think it's going to be a, a fantastic game regardless of the outcome. Two yep. teams really, you know, deserving of their position at this stage of the finals. Let's take a look at fantasy, of course. Uh, a couple of fantasy favourites in action here. And let's start, of course, with Jason Taumalolo. 100 points last week. Incredible. I assume we're all picking him and captaining him. 
He's yeah. the match day equivalent of Cameron Smith just pick and stick and put the C next to it. It's pretty simple. <laughs> he's not. He's almost not human. I went down to the Cowboy Sheds after that game and I walked up to Jace. I said, Jace, can I have a chat? And he was like, yeah, man, sit down and have a chat. He didn't seem... Sometimes you talk to a player after a, a really big effort like that and they've kind of got that thousand-yard stare and they're just wrecked. He looked like he was at a Sunday barbecue and he could go another 80 minutes. He just looked fresh as a daisy. I, I don't know how he does it, but, um, yeah, he's the perpetual motion machine. I'm expecting another massive performance from him this weekend. Uh, Nathan Brown, slightly disappointing from a, a fantasy perspective uh, with 43 last week. I mean, that's still fine. Um, you can pick him in the front row as well, I believe. So you can have Tamalolo and Brown, both locks. Seems yeah. like a fairly safe bet. Yeah, I think I'll be doing that. There's, I can't really think of any other props that would jump out at me. I know mm. Scott Bolton. Scott Bolton, maybe. Last week, but yeah. ahead of Nathan Brown, I probably wouldn't. I think the biggest debate's at hooker. I mean, if you're saying Cameron King's yeah. iffy, Jake Granville, we were expecting a big one from him last week. I think he scored mid-30s. Um, yeah, well, he's not an 80-minute guy because they bring Ben Hampton on, whereas yeah. Cam King, if he plays, you'd think no bench utility because their bench utility is playing at fullback. Um, so he's probably set for 80 minutes. He's been so close to scoring a try. He's gone from <laughs> dummy half, I don't know, a dozen times since he's uh, got into the hooker role. I feel like it's coming at some point. Um, every chance he could get a 50-plus, he made 57 tackles in the loss to, to Newcastle, so he's certainly capable of big defensive workloads if the other team gets some balls. So, yeah, king for me. And looking at the back, uh, Will Smith with a 50 last week, uh, semi fairly quiet with just 16. Um, Kyle Felt scored 51 as well. So a few different names. Uh, you know, you sort of just have to go out on a limb here and, and back who you think is going to do well. Yeah, great great sort of position to gamble in because there's so many guys who can go bigger or smaller. Like you say, Semi looks the logical choice, but only 16 last week with a try, I might add. So Yeah, I'm just drawn back to that game in 2015 where I think he scored that just a miracle try. He was tackled, got back up, backed mm. it up and length of the field effort. So I think I'm going to pick him. But Kyle Felt's been in tremendous form. I think he went through the first nine games without a try, and then since then he's got yeah. 15. I mean, incredible back after the year. Mm. For sure. Uh, fantasy.nrl.com to play the match day game. Of course, the fantasy app's still available as well. Get on there, and uh, plenty of prizes still up for grabs. Let's have a look at the Holden Cup. The first place Cronulla Sharks, well, they're in sudden death territory now against the eighth place Seagulls. This one at five o'clock at ANZ Stadium. Well, how the mighty have fallen. 15 matches in a row, now they've lost three in a row. They were smashed 35-22 last week by Parramatta, and it could have been a lot worse. Parramatta were brilliant. Um, Manly, a bit of an upset as well. They beat uh, North Queensland 30-16. to Bit of team news. Uh, team of the year back row of Britain, Nakora, has been suspended for two matches for the Sharks for a dangerous throw and is replaced by Tony Matautia. Sea Eagles fullback Jade Anderson came off with an ankle injury in the first half against North Queensland, but he seems to be fit. Um, it really interesting one here. Cronulla have only won two NYC finals matches. And they were back in 2011, so they haven't won a finals match since. Um, you'd think they'd get it done this week, but I don't know. Manly have been giant killers in this competition. Mm. I remember 2015, one of the upsets of Holden Cup history, they beat... North Queensland in the prelim, and I don't know, you've seen this competition in the under-20s. Lower-ranked teams can just get on a run. Roosters did it last year. Um, I'm going to go with Cronulla as the safe bet, but in the Battle of the Beaches, I would not be shocked if Manly 
pulled pulled another little upset. Well, it would be remarkable given their their season. Of course, their halfback just absolutely dominating, blitzing the competition, uh, record for points scored. Um, it'd it'd be incredible to see them knocked out in straight sets. But uh, you know, as we know with the Holden Cup. Stranger things have happened. All right. Well, I think that's us for the second week of the finals podcast. You can get your tickets for all the weekend's action at nrl.com slash tickets. And you can find us on Twitter at Adrian McMurray, at CKennedy80 and at Martin J. Gabor. Enjoy a bumper weekend of finals footy and we'll be back next week ahead of the preliminary finals. Register now to play finals fantasy at fantasy.nrl.com. Tickets are available to finals games at tickets.nrl.com forward slash finals. This has been the nrl.com finals series podcast.